This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little paper clips. It's me, Allison. How are you guys doing? Welcome to part two of the Rory Scovel episode. There's some fun stuff in this part. And congratulations on remembering to download it on a Thursday morning or a Wednesday night or something else, depending on what time zone you're in. I can't keep track. But anyway, before the show officially starts, you know, a few words, one of them being, I believe we have an iTunes comment. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. And I should say, because I've seen this comment already, um, despite the peppy song, the comment is kind of uh, sad. So if you're in a good mood, don't be. All right. This comment comes from Check73 and it is titled, Thank You for Making Me Laugh. Allison and I have been a fan of ARIYNBF since the beginning. In December, my wife and I lost our unborn baby girl, Cadence Marie, just a month before her due date. Due to this tragedy, I was unable to keep up for several shows. When I went back to work and was feeling sad, I got caught up on the episodes. I want to say thank you for picking me up and even making me laugh out loud. You truly are my new best friend. I look forward every week to the new episodes, and I am always delighted when it turns out to be a two-parter. I wish you all the best, and I'll be listening. Thank you so much for that comment. I'm so sorry for your loss, but um, I'm really happy that the show was able to bring a little bit of laughter into your cube. I imagine this happening in your cubicle, but maybe you're listening to it elsewhere, um, all over elsewhere. But anyway, yeah, and thank you so much for a very heartfelt iTunes comment. I am moved um, and kind of sad, but, um, but I'm going to snap out of it because... It's time for fan phone call. All right. I believe we'll be trying Dana. Hello? Hi, is this Dana? Yes. Hey, Dana. It's Allison Rosen from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. It's not the best connection, so you probably feel lonely because you don't feel connected to me. I don't feel that connected to you. I'll try to move to a better part of the house. Oh, fabulous. Is so that what? Better? Yes. Um, I don't know. I just said yes, actually, because I'm an agreeable person. <laughs> How's it going? What's going on? Um, not much. It's snowing a lot here in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. What do you yeah. do in Salt Lake City? I work at the emergency vet hospital, and I have four daughters. Oh, wow. Now, are you... I know of a Dana on Twitter. Is that you? Are you the one Um, who... Are are you pretty new to Twitter? Yeah, kind of. Well, my Twitter handle is Moochtown. Oh, there's a different one then. Maybe there's two of us. Yeah. Well, the other one's not Moochtown. I forget exactly what her... Her uh, Twitter name is, but that's not important because we're talking to you. We're talking to Moochtown, <laughs> the emergency yeah, pet me. tech vet tech person who has four daughters. Well, now, what kind of pet emergencies are we talking about? All kinds of stuff, uh, like hit by cars or pets that eat things they're not supposed to, like medications or uh, like a lot of chocolate or something, or just things that have been sick for like, it's been sick for three days and... Now we'll bring him in because we don't want to wait for four days, you know, that kind of thing. Right. What drew you to that? Um, well, I didn't want to go to vet school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've always liked animals, but science more. Like we always tell people that just love animals, they should be groomers. Because <laughs> <laughs> what we do can be sad. So right. you should like science, science and animals. Uh-huh. Now, but I keep hearing you talking about wanting to get a puppy, and I'm curious to know if you found one yet. Not yet, but I think we're pretty close. We've been looking at some different ones. But, okay, here, this is what happened last night. Actually, okay. by the, no, I was going to say by the time people hear this, we might have a puppy, but no, because they're going to hear this, like, very soon, almost immediately. <laughs> um, okay, so last night I started thinking about having a puppy in the apartment, and then I started imagining what if the puppy accidentally ate, like, you know, a I don't. I just started thinking about all the different things that could happen to the puppy, and I imagined, um, like, if the puppy ate a bottle of Advil or something, and then I imagined like the puppy being 
sick or actually, well, in to be totally honest, my full morbid imagination was, oh, what if I was like, what if the puppy was dead? What if I woke up one morning and found the puppy dead? And then I just started thinking, what if I can't deal, what if I can't keep a puppy alive? Ugh. <laughs> it is a daunting task. Right? Do you worry about it? it? With, yeah. Now, you, you've kept four daughters alive. Um, I'm pretty sure all of them are alive right now. I could <laughs> wake them up and check. But, yeah, so far, so good. Which is harder, the pets or the daughters? Well, we got a puppy for Christmas, and he might be more work. I don't know. They didn't chew on everything mm-hmm. like he does. But, um, I don't know. I guess just the quantity of daughters is harder than a single puppy. Right. What, when, what's the age difference between all of them? Um, we had twins that are eight, and then a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, even numbers only. Well, so the twins we'll probably... When they turn the, the twins probably raise themselves, right? Like, if you get two cats? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we didn't even check on them that much the first year. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's Salt Lake City like? Right now, White. But, not in race, but in uh, snow. <laughs> but in race as well, right? Not as much as you'd think. It's, it's, you know, we're moving up in the diversity category. But predominantly still pretty. Mm-hmm. Pretty Caucasian. <laughs> yeah. And what made you decide to live there? Is that where you're from? We're from here. I also lived in Ohio. Um, but And my husband lived in England for a while. But we're just our families here with kids. You need You need your mom. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So mom's here, and we like the the four seasons. So not the band. I was gonna. I was gonna make that. <laughs> I was. That's why I went silent because I was debating whether to make that joke or not. Oh boy, yeah. beat you to it. I know. Well, thanks so much for letting us interrupt your your Salt Lake City evening. Hey, no problem. If you. If you get a puppy and need any help, you can call me anytime. Okay. Thank you. Actually, there is one we looked at that we're not going to get, but it it has undescended testicles. Thoughts? Oh, yeah. You don't want that. Yes, why? That's what I heard. I heard that it, the surgery can, is a lot more complicated. It is. It's just a longer surgery. I mean, it's more like a like a spay for a female dog. They have to open the whole abdomen. Right. Instead. Oh, really? The whole so. abdomen? Yeah, pretty much, because you never know where they're going to be. They can't just reach in around up in there through the urethra. I'm just kidding. I know they can't. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, how how could it be like up in the dog's armpit? Where could, where armpit. is it floating around? You know, um, anywhere in its lower abdomen. <laughs> so like behind a kidney or a liver or somewhere in there. Is it like a search and rescue mission? I mean, is it? Are you really like where is that motherfucker? Yeah, we train gerbils to go in and find them. <laughs> like SEAL Team 6, kind of? Yeah. Oh, what's the weirdest place you've ever seen a dog's testicle? Like outside of the dog or inside of the dog? You can answer it as you choose. Well, we had a vet that would keep them uh, and once made a necklace and gave it to another nurse at a Christmas party. Oh, my God. How did this person but, keep his job? Well, and you know, friends. Humor. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you know, the things we keep in jars. Ugh. What does it look like on a necklace? Like a, is well, it like a Cheerio? The older they get. <laughs> or like a not, prune? Not like a cute necklace. Depends on what size dog they come from, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, and I'm not even pretending, I honestly have very little idea of what a dog's testicle on a necklace would look like. I'm envision. is it like a, like a peach pit? Bigger ones, yeah, more like a a more tan-colored peach pit, I guess. A light. All the way down Ugh. to a raisin size. Oh, really? That just sounds adorable. But, I mean, is it the texture of a pit, like with all those nooks and crannies, or is it more like a raisin, just squished, shriveled? More like a raisin. Just That's good old, to know. Squishy, dry raisin, yeah. But tan-colored. Yeah. This yep. has been so... I like where this is going. <laughs> I know. This has been really educational and a little disgusting. But, you know, that's kind of how it goes. You know what I find disgusting, and I bet you don't because you work in the, the, the field of uh, testicle jewelry. Um, those bully sticks. 
Oh, yeah, those are disgusting. What are those exactly? They're like a dehydrated bull's penis. Yeah. And they I give them to dogs as, like, chew toys. Like, in the wild... really nasty. In the wild, when would a dog be chewing on a bull's penis, you know? Um, not in any scenario I can think of. Right. Right. Ugh. So, yeah, that's not okay. I'm not going to give the, that to my puppy. And I feel like people are probably going to tweet and say that their precious dog loves bully sticks. And um, great, but I, I don't want to handle that. Yeah, no, those are, we don't like this. Yeah. The pig's ears things are kind of icky to me as well. Dried yeah, pig's well, ears. Yeah, people forget that, like, they say, oh, but it's nature. But dogs don't cook things in the wild. Right. So... Anything like cooked bones or dehydrated parts actually get stuck in their stomachs and throats a lot because that's not what they eat in the wild. Mm -hmm. So we actually end up having to like do surgery to get those out pretty often. What do they eat in the wild? Well, they're not even in the wild really, but what would they be eating in the wild? Not really. Well, they eat meat and like dogs eat fruits and vegetables too. So we always tell people to give their dog carrots. You You tell them to give them carrots? Yeah, because it doesn't matter if they swallow them and, like, not cooked carrots, but, like, just big, crunchy carrots. Huh. Now, do you recommend um, peeling them first? Nah. You can just give them, you don't, you don't have to do that thing where you slice off the edges of the carrots? No, they're not very picky. Okay. <laughs> and the green part, too? Uh, probably not the green part. The only real people food, well, like cooked food isn't so good. And then raisins and grapes and onions are actually toxic. So you don't want to give them those. But See, that's good. That I, it's good that I know this because I could have given my new puppy a, did you say raisin eggs and onions? Well, grapes, raisin, oh. raisin grapes, same thing. Yeah, like a, a really shitty Waldorf salad. Yeah. They'd probably be happier with just the dressing. Right. Okay. I'll just give it mayonnaise. Um, well, thank you so much. This actually, this no has problem. been. Uh, I've got now. See, before I had just a mind picturing my a dead puppy, but now I'm picturing tan raisins. So good. It's, yeah. Yeah. Thank that. you. That's better than a dead puppy. <laughs> All right. Um, have a good night. Okay. Have a good whatever time it is there. Also night. <laughs> it is also night. Bye, Dana. <laughs> okay. Bye. I didn't do the thing that I used to do when um, – so I used to do this segment on my Ustream show, and I used to always include the question, like, how did you discover me? Implication being, how did your – you know, at what point did your life turn around for the better when I came into it, et cetera? Tell me, tell me about me. What do you like about me? What do I mean to you? Who do I remind you of in terms of heroes? Um, you know, if you could be anyone in the world, it'd be me, right, et cetera. I didn't really ask those, but they were implied. I didn't, I didn't bring that up because I just felt like it'd be gilding the lily because we have so much good dog testicle stuff. Anyway, um, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint is a place you can go to get all sorts of customizable marketing stuff. Uh, You can put your business logo on a vast array of things, um, or you can just put your... your, your, you, your name, business cards, etc. because you are a brand. So whether it's your business or you that you want to tell everyone about, Vistaprint is where you go to make something that can tell everyone about you. Uh, and right now, I would like to, to draw your attention to their calendars. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm a fan of calendars. I like to be able to look at my wall and see... Uh, both what day it is now and if someone says, hey, January 17th, I'd like to be able to be like, oh, no, that's a Friday. I don't know if it is or not because I'm not sitting in front of a calendar. But at Vistaprint.com, you can get a personalized calendar. Uh, It's a constant reminder of your business. And you can pre-mark dates when your business is having a special offer. You can add coupons and reminders to order products by a certain date. Everyone needs a calendar. If you think you don't, you're wrong. And you know how you'll know you're wrong? You'll go somewhere. Perhaps a party. Maybe it's a potluck. Maybe you have made some kind of special... You've made your famous chili for the potluck that you thought was happening on Tuesday. And you get there. No one's home. You know why? Because you didn't write it on a calendar. And you don't know what day it is. 
don't be that guy. Don't be standing there with a crock of chili in front of a house. And then you're like, maybe the doorbell's broken. So I'll knock again. But I don't want to be rude. and knock. I don't want to use the knocker. Well, no, you're there on the wrong day. You can't eat all that chili, even though it's turkey chili. Put your business name and logo on a calendar for your customers. And there's a special offer right now. All calendars, including wall, desk, poster, wallet, and folded are 50% off. And you get free shipping on your entire order if you spend more than $30. So go to www.vistaprint.com slash best friend to get this incredible offer. Remember, that's www.vistaprint.com slash best friend. Satisfaction is guaranteed. If you're not happy, they will make it right. So it's no risk. That's pretty amazing. I, I wish everyone had that offer. Uh, I wish if you, if your friend invited you out to lunch or something, and they're like, if you don't have fun, you can have this hour and a half back. No risk. Because then I'd be much more social. But anyway... I need to remind you guys that um, when there is a special promo code or anything like that, please do uh, enter it in. So, for example, with Vistaprint.com, it's best – well, you go to best friend, Vistaprint.com, best friend. Um, you have to do that so that they will be able to be – so well, they'll just be like – I'm saying a lot of extra words right now. I'm not, I'm not um, as articulate as uh, one would hope. It's been a very long day, but I feel passionate about this, passionate about telling you guys that a good way to help out the show is to use these special promo codes and whatnot, because then they're like, oh, look at all these people coming from the show. Um, And then that makes for happy sponsors. And uh, who doesn't want that? Also, you guys, guess what's coming up? The end of this intro. And the beginning of the episode, which is good news. But also, Valentine's Day is coming up. And you don't want to mess that one up again. Uh, You know what Valentine's Day means. It means tons of sex, like a big cornucopia of sex. Also flowers. Those are nice, too. Um, But here's how to get your mate to think you're a hero and to spice things up in the bedroom. Because no one wants an unspicy bedroom. Season that shit. Go to bettersex.com and learn how to dramatically improve your sex life and make sex fun. Aren't you tired of sex that's serious? Like book sex? Make it fun. Bettersex.com has thousands of items to add intense pleasure to your love life, including adult toys, vibrators, sexual solutions. What are, I mean, and I don't even know what kind of problems these are sexual solutions to. As well as sex ed and adult DVDs all backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee. I've said it before, just a second ago, but I love these guarantees that are 100% satisfaction. You can even check out bettersex.com to learn techniques that will rock your partner's world. Don't rock it too hard. Just rock it just the right amount. Bettersex.com has everything you need for fun sex, and if you enter friend at checkout, you'll save 50% off any one item, get three free erotic videos, and free shipping. There's also expert advice brought to you by the Sinclair Institute, America's trusted leader in sexual health. With the slogan, like, more sex, better sex, more often. Well, see, I wanted that to be my slogan. Damn, it, God, they beat me to it. With a slogan like, more sex, better sex, more often, it kind of says it all. So get to bettersex.com today, enter friend, because that's me, Alice Moses, your new best friend, at checkout, and you'll save 50% off any one item, get three free videos, and free shipping. That's bettersex.com, enter the word friend at checkout, it's a great deal, and you'll turn your love life into the fun and deliciously wicked ride you've always wanted. You've been talking about how your ride is so just bland and not at all wicked, but you can... Turn that shit around, make it deliciously wicked, the ride that is your sex life. You can do that. So turn it into a deliciously wicked ride. Because great lovers are made, not born. And I was thinking about it. It's a good thing great lovers aren't born, because that would mean that you are hitting your sexual peak way too young. Like, you're probably some kind of um, prodigy, like a sexual prodigy. But still, I feel like it would affect the rest of your life in a not good way. So that's why great lovers are made, not born. All right, you guys. It is now... I'm sorry I've taken up so much of your day with just talking. But it's what I do. I can't stop. And I'm in love with you guys. Uh, So here's the episode. Please love it. I love you. Allison. 
So that's kind of what led me out to Los Angeles was like, ah, oh, it just feels like the right pace for, you know, I'm, I, I, I always say that I'll never stop doing stand-up. I don't really know that. I love doing stand-up right now and I, I can foresee myself doing it for a long time. But right now I'm really interested in also trying to become a good actor. Like I think I'm okay doing like silly comedy stuff just because of stand-up. But I would actually like to see if I can be an actor. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do it is, you know, to be here and try to dive in. Are you taking classes or anything like that? Because no. I have a similar thing where I feel like I like I used to act a long, long, long time ago, and I haven't in so long. And it's only occasionally when I go on auditions that I think I am rusty. Like I feel yeah. like this is bad acting that I'm putting forth, um, and that's in quotes, like infomercial style bad <laughs> acting, possibly. And then I think maybe I should take class because I know that I'm I know that I could be good. Right. I just. I'm just lost touch with how to make that happen. I think it's uh, I think it's repetition because I don't think I real I think I I have a lot of bad, I have way worse auditions than I have good auditions. But all the good auditions that I do have came after like back to back like nine a week of bad auditions. Ones. Yeah, yeah, where I was like, where I finally went out last week, going, I don't care. Why don't I just have fun? Yeah. It, I feel like it's almost identical to stand up and just going on the st going on stage going. You know, trying to remember what are the motions, how is it, and then boom! Once you've done two months straight of road shows, you feel like you're unstoppable, and mm -hmm. you're like, "Oh, I can, I can deal with anything. I'm not even going to do jokes tonight. I'll just see what happens." And you know, when you take a month off, you can't immediately go back to that place. And right. I feel like that it's like that with acting. Yeah, and you never know when you're going to get enough auditions in a row to where you're going to end up having that good one. So. Mm -hmm. Any good ones I've had, it's just because I was able to get a good chunk of five out of the way right before that good one. Um, do you get nervous before auditions? Yeah, I get really nervous. I'm starting to get a little better at uh, – because I'm doing more stand-up. My agent now is getting me like more stand-up work. I used to go into auditions thinking I need this because of the money. And that – god, that couldn't be the worst way right, <laughs> to go in. Right. It's got to be the worst way. And so now that I'm, I'm not as worried, it's not like I'm doing great, but I'm not – it's not like I have to get this so I can pay rent. So it's like, all right, yeah, I you can don't actually, have the if I don't get this, yeah, it's like, well, you. if I don't get this, I also think I'm better now at reading a script or reading sides and realizing and being honest with myself going, was this something I would actually enjoy mm -hmm. if this happened and I had to do it for six years? Would I actually even like this? Does this seem fun? Does this seem interesting? And then, you know, you see stuff in some movie. There, there was a movie I went out for that I really, really wanted and it wasn't even like because, oh, I got to get this so I can pay rent. It was just a, where I was like – Oh, I feel like what I do comedically mm -hmm. I think fits perfectly into the delivery of this guy. So the audition was fun because I was like, oh, I feel like this is how I would say these lines anyways. I don't feel like I'm forcing it. Um, I didn't get it. But that was like an instance where I'd rather do that. I'd rather come out of an audition going, I wanted that and I didn't get it as yeah. opposed to, oh, man, I almost got that. But I don't even know if I wanted it right. anyways. Right. I, the shift I <clears throat> have just started making is to – think that an audition is not a test of whether I have any talent whatsoever and deserve to be on camera at all, <laughs> which right. I think is how I was looking at it. Sure. Or secretly, even though like I've done, I have a, a lot of experience, you know, it's not like I just started or anything, but I think that like the, the stupid metaphor I've been using is like, it's not like if I were a car, it's not does this car run? It's just, does this car fit in our garage? Yeah. Like, am I too fat? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like like who and what I am is not right. being called into question. It's just do I fit the project? Right. Totally. And did you feel like you broke out of that shell that you find yourself in when you're reading lines? Did you feel like, oh, I said the lines the way I want? You always forget that you can do what you want. Yeah. And either they like that or they don't. Right. And I think that they want to either not like what you did, but you did what you wanted to do. I think that's what they want. I used to go on being like, let's try to line up what I think they were trying right. to go for, and that's have always been my I worst audition. That's been yeah. yeah, that's been the thing I've been telling myself as well. But here's the thing, mind you, all these epiphanies have happened 
because I have something coming up that I'm an audition coming up, but I haven't had a chance to put them into practice. Right. Although I feel like I realize these things pretty frequently in between meetings and things, and yeah. then I forget them when I go in there. But yeah, the other thing is like the worst thing I can do is try to figure out what they want and give that to them. Because the reason they're calling me in is be- in this case is because they're familiar with me. Yeah. So I just need to go in and be myself unless they give me different direction. But but the thing is a lot of this – I go in a lot of times for hosting or things like where it, there aren't lines specifically. It's, it's just you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find so that's I have – when I have a different. bad audition, I think it's – I have a bad pace. Mm-hmm. I think I, I find myself, well, there's four people waiting. They probably want to hurry up and get through this. And I fly through it and I'm like, yeah, to do ah, that, you do them a favor. Yeah, I'm just trying to, like, oh, well, let's hurry up with their day. But the times I've gone in and just taken my time and put right. a pause between lines for no reason just to, like, slow down, I'm like, oh, I felt like I was more in control of mm-hmm. what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, what made you want to do stand up the first time? Um, the very first time I got on stage, it, I listened to David Cross's uh, Shut Up, You Fucking Baby, and I must have listened to it 30 times. Uh-huh. I loved it, and I was just like – it wasn't like I thought the way he thought, but it was the first time, especially growing up in the South, I'm hearing like jokes about religion and stuff, and I'm like – I'm laughing, and I also kind of agree, and yet I always thought stand-up was like Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and it's so structured and just very well put together, and this isn't at all a slam on David Cross – but it was it was something that I didn't think I could do. But then hearing David Cross just go up and talking and talking into a joke and putting jokes in, I was like, oh, that's more – I didn't know you were allowed to do that. And so the first time I heard that, it then started to appeal to me like I kind of want to go up and just talk and try to be funny. Mm-hmm. And so that was enough. That CD was enough for me to like go up and try it. Have and you met him? Have yeah, yeah. I, I met him. Told him. I never told him that because I was like – this is the first time uh, – Todd Glass was opening for him on a tour and I just happened to get to meet them and hang out and uh, I so badly wanted to be like, you know, I started stand-up, you know, however good it's going now and however good or bad it ever ends up being, your one CD was enough for me to to alter my entire life, to yeah. go and pursue comedy uh, and as much as I wanted to say that to him, I also didn't want to uh, – it's as weird, but you also don't want to ruin that like sort of co-worker no, I totally. image. You don't, I I don't want to go exactly and be like yeah. a fan. I am a fan. You don't want to like fall at his feet. Yeah, but I, you want to go up to him and be like, I respect what you do and I want to thank you. But you can only say that the right way and also not really knowing him that well and listening to his CDs. I'm like, I feel like he'd make fun of me. <laughs> so I just never said it and I was very quiet around him. But um, I think – feeling more confident about what I'm doing now, I'd probably more casually say that and not not worry about it um, yeah. for sure. But yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't say it. People have asked me like, well, you, I hope you told him that. And I'm like, no, because then I think he'd think I was weird. I know what you and, mean. It's, it, it's it's a hard thing to yeah. say. And we, I mean, there up. wasn't a lot of people hanging out either. Right. So it's like, well, if I say that, I've just limited his comfortability. Yeah. Because if five people are hanging out, one of them now he's like, okay, so that guy stalks me and <laughs> I don't know this person. Right. Yeah. Um, so you met your uh, fiance in D.C. How did you guys actually yeah. meet? Uh, I started doing long form improv right when I started doing stand up. So like Harold, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Although at the time it was just – I was just learning improv in general, like foundations Um which I try to tell every comic I think is a great class to take, even if you think improv is the dumbest thing. <laughs> like going and learning improv is so, I think, so good for stand-up. Um, but I, I just happened to be interested in it, in it because I saw Cat online. And I was like, oh, man, I never, I've never seen – I didn't know what it was. I had only seen Whose Line. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've ne- I didn't even know what long-form improv was. And I was like, that looks so fun. So I moved to D.C. I immediately started doing – uh, long form improv, taking classes at least, and doing stand up. And she w- did the exact same thing. She moved to DC to live with her sister, and was like taking classes. And uh, she ended up getting on a on a long form team. I ended up getting on a team, and uh, I would just go see their shows because I thought their group was really good. And then seeing their shows, I was like, oh, I think she's like attractive. I started developing a crush, and I started hanging out with them. They would go to like bars and house parties after their shows something mm. my group never did they were so much closer and i was like oh i want to hang out with you guys because you guys have this camaraderie and just in hanging out i eventually got to a point where i was like i'm just gonna ask her out and i did and yeah we just started <laughs> you've been together ever since yeah she actually i asked her out about 20 times i, I was like hey let's go, i would like to go get dinner or something one time and she was like yeah totally 
And every time I called or emailed, she was like, I can't tonight. I can't do it. And it's kind of funny on the – like the very last time I was sitting with my roommate and he goes, oh, what's happening with that girl at the improv and I was, uh, that you do improv with? And I was like – I was like, honestly – I was like, I asked her if she wanted to go out. She said yes. I was like, but I've asked 20 times and there's always something else going on. I was like, so I was like, forget it. I'm like, obviously, she doesn't want to go out. And the moment that I finished that sentence, my cell phone rang and it was her. And she goes, hey, I have nothing to do tonight. Do you want to get together tonight? And I was just like, oh, yeah, let me just see if I can <laughs> – let me just get the car. Uh, and I like immediately went right back on what I had just said. Uh-huh. But it was so strange that, that in the moment so that weird. I said – I mean. My roommate was sitting right there. That phone rang right when I finished that sentence. That's and crazy. It was so weird. But yeah, we've been together since. I do since feel then. like there is something to that. Like when you reach a point where you're just done with something, oftentimes that, you know, something happens then. Um, had you been in many relationships before? Because this was when you were in your early uh, 20s, right? Yeah. I think I would have probably been around 24, I think, 25. Um not really. I had been with one girl for about two years uh, in college, like very – like sort of off and on, more on, but like every now and then have our typical breakups for like two years. Um, and then one other person before that. So no, this was really like the first time I'd been in a relationship that I was like maturely working at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. before it was just like, oh yeah, this is ha- what it's like having a just girlfriend. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just hang out and you do stuff. Like you didn't really <laughs> – realize and then like when with who i'm with now um it was like oh now i get when people were like oh you gotta do work you really do have to decide do i want to work at this or do mm-hmm. i not and so, yeah th- i would say this is my first like really fully committed relationship yeah what kind of work do you mean and, you know just like um being willing to say you're sorry or like get rid of your uh pride mm-hmm. it's like you know especially when i was younger in like um <clears throat> like high school or college you're not that person and you don't you you don't want to be the person who ever thinks you're wrong at all. Right. So I think when I say like do work in a relationship, I mean be willing to admit that you're wrong or be like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't because uh, especially being a comedian, if she ever came out to shows, I immediately always got lost in hanging out with comics and didn't realize that I was like abandoning her at parties or shows and instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, that is what I'm doing, you know, early on, I'd be like, no, that's – I mean, that's what it's like. You know, that's what you got to – you got to understand that that's what it's like. And in, and then I feel like I was mature enough and wanted it enough to be like, you know what, no, you're you're right. I'm sorry. And I will, I will work at not doing that mm-hmm. anymore. And this mm-hmm. is definitely the first relationship where I was in a scenario where I was like, oh, OK, I'll change my pattern because you're right. You know, if you yeah. are coming with me – yeah, if I'm by myself, sure, who cares? But if you are going to be out, um, you would do the same for me. So that, I guess that that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. I do hate that term, like, I'm going to work at it. But I think, like, in terms of, like, sort of willing to give up your own agenda right. to a degree, you know? Right. Yeah. Has moving around together, how has that affected the relationship? I think it's really um, – I think it's been good. I think what I've learned is that we have – become a better relationship and a stronger relationship the longer we've been together. I think you start to – you go through that phase where you're sort of a crush. You're sort of someone you always want to hang out with. And I think you do go through a phase where you're like, I don't really know if I want to hang out like all the time. Come on. (laughs) And then you go into a phase where you're like – because I think it's so cheesy when someone's like, I'm marrying my best friend. And I think a lot of times that probably is cheesy yeah, because people are just saying it because they've heard people say it. But I I do feel like sometimes – People are being honest about it. Like I've, I'm now. We've been together for eight years, and over the past probably two or three years, I've been like, oh, this is like my best friend. This is someone I do love hanging out with. I could not go out at all and hang out with this person mm-hmm. and watch a movie or do anything really. But yeah, sure, you have these times where you're like, get away. Like we got to get away from each mm-hmm. other. But overall, I mean, that's how you treat your friends too. You don't want to hang out right. with one friend all the time. Right. Um, I think the moving has just kind of made that stronger because. It tests you and, yeah, it does cause fights and, yeah, you know, it does cause stress. But it also is one of those like tests of like, you know, well, if we want to be together, then we can't just yell at each other and complain about this. We have to sit and talk like human (laughs) beings and adults and be like, well, how do we make this work if we are going to move? And luckily her being in entertainment also, it wasn't like I've ever pulled her out of a career doing something else to, to move to a city, you know. I know that New York – she heavily misses New York because of the stage uh, acting yeah. being more there. 
But she is excited to see what she can do out here. And I think she's also supportive of like what's happening with me. So I think Mm -hmm. she's kind of like, all right, if I was in a big run, if I was a Broadway star, we would have a problem, I'm sure, because we would have to go our separate ways and try to make it work long distance. But she hadn't hit that point yet. And I think she's like, all right, well, let's try L.A. Um, Just because I wasn't as far along in my career. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely been weird moving, but I think it's made us stronger. Um, I was watching your set on Conan in June, um, and then I was looking at the comments, and it seemed like there was this a mild kerfuffle over the fact that you had an accent. <laughs> yeah, and your set, and people were like, "What? That's not a blah blah blah." What, what's the story with that? Yeah, people get upset over the. I, my favorite thing about stand-up comedy is that there are no rules at all, and you can just do whatever. And the very first time I ever auditioned to do any late-night set was when Conan had The Tonight Show, uh-huh. and uh, JP came to New York City to do a thing at Comics, and I asked him if I could do a character, and he's like, well, we don't really have characters. Do you stand Is up JP on the show? JP his booker? Oh, uh, the booker, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, uh, I was like, well, it's not really a character where you know I'm over the top. I was like, this character, you would, th- because no one knows me, they would think that I am this person. So I mean that in terms of a character. Mm-hmm. And he was like, so well... it's a lie. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> so well, he goes, well, let's, he goes, do whatever you want on the audition, let's just see. So I went out. I didn't do a Southern guy, but I I just came out and I told all my jokes like this. And I was just, guys, this is sort of what I'm going Uh. through. And I did that the whole time. And he was like, I see what you mean. He goes, this whole audience has no clue who you are. And they think that's who you are. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's – I was like, I don't know why, but I just kind of want to do that. And then, you know, that The Tonight Show ended up going away. And uh, when I did Fallon, my everybody was like, "You should really be yourself for your first time doing something." And I was like, "All right, yeah, that's everyone's probably, them in your reps." Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, that probably makes sense." I, I, they made it. They were like, "Look, it, you know, you can get auditions yeah, and stuff now. You should think about this." So I was like, "You know what? You're right. Are I you will, mean? I will do that." And it wasn't until uh, JP, you know, was at for Conan, and he was like. He's like, yeah, we want to give you this date. Do you want to do a character? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. I've always wanted to do a character. I was like, I've got this southern guy. that I was like, I just, it's not even really that off. I was mm-hmm. like, I just want to kind of talk with a southern accent the whole time and have a beer. And he was like, yeah, great. Did, you, did you have an accent I've ne- No. I, no. You, no. Really? In South Carolina, I mean, you avoided it? If when I live there, I think I'm a very adaptive to accents. I think mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that immediately starts talking like someone else if they're like around. I mean very quickly too. But I don't think growing up because I went to a school. My parents sent us to like a private Catholic school and all my friends were families that had moved mm-hmm. from other states. So I like went to school with people where voices were all over the place. My family does – some of them have like thick southern accents but – me and my older sister, I don't think we've ever really had one. Mm-hmm. I think that's always kind of been like this where it's sort of neutral. What know? what appealed to you about the idea of doing a character? Um, I think the first time I tried it, I was just like – it. I had that sort of epiphany of like, oh, why am I – why don't I just go up tonight and just do something different because I don't have any new jokes. Mm-hmm. I was like, so this could be like having new jokes. If I did a new person doing these jokes, it would change the jokes. And it did. It totally – the very first time it was so fun – because I would make up stuff about having a wife, having DUIs, as the Southern guy specifically. And I was like, oh, my God, it, it makes the set of the same jokes so different mm. that I became sort of obsessed with it. I would go through a phase where I'd do the Southern guy a long time. And then I'd be like, ah, I kind of want to go back to being me. And I'd write some newer stuff. And then I'd do a German accent for no reason. And then I'd go back and I just recently started doing like a Southern preacher uh, trying to do all my jokes through like a religious, like people need to be better, like try not to curse, try to be very clean in the set, but doing my jokes. But if it's too um, sort of on that side of the fence about religion, do it as though I heard someone say this <laughs> and this is what I think about. It. And then basically talk trash about myself and my own opinion, but trying to do it as a joke where it'd be funny if some people thought it was real, but knowing that the whole audience is like, oh, it's not. He yeah. doesn't really think what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So, um, and have you been performing that way? I just started this year doing – I mean really just one show. I just started. I went up. I dressed nicer. I wore a blazer uh-huh. to sort of be like – and he called people sinners and told them why they were going to hell. <laughs> and it was so fun. I was like, oh, this is really endless. If I'm this guy, I can make up all this other stuff. I think yeah. that's what draws me. I don't always love doing the characters. Um, I like going up as myself. But now when I go on the road, I like just doing – the char- all the characters in a set mm-hmm. and never t- – like just starting to talk 
like d- talking like this, and then out of nowhere, take a sip of water and just be like, "So the other day, I was at like <laughs> the playground," and everyone just like. After a minute, people will just go with you and be like, well, I'm listening to this story, I guess, and not really point it out. Uh-huh. It's been I, – I think what I like is that there's no rule that says don't do that. Like yeah. if, it's fu- if it wasn't working, I wouldn't do it. But if it's fun for me, it's probably only fun for me if people are laughing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, people seem to enjoy it and that's making me enjoy it. So let's be silly and just talk about these things. It's fun to talk about very serious like in that German accent, talking about gun control, it's very fun, and I still get to say my opinion. But as this German guy was like, "Oh no, I don't even live here." Like, so this is just an outsider, you know, perspective. <laughs> and people being like, "You can see people actually like get caught up in it, thinking, oh, oh yeah, he's not German.' Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he just started doing that." Yeah, I don't know. There's something I love about it. It's so interesting that just shifting where the um, idea is coming from. It changes how it's perceived. So much. Yeah. And it changes – it puts – it actually helps me think of other jokes for the joke, like tags that I wouldn't think of if I was just being me. Mm-hmm. But being this German guy and having to have a different perspective, it's like, oh, he would say that or, oh, that's a funny thing. I did a show at UCB in New York uh, in early November and I did the whole 50 minutes. I just did the German guy <laughs> the whole time and I was like – I. I don't want to ever be me again. <laughs> I'm what just going to be a German person. Did you continue it? No. <laughs> no. I immediately was like, I can't believe that. I can't believe I did it the whole time. And I was having to ask people, I was like, should I have stopped <laughs> at right. a certain point? People were like, no, I think you, you know, as long as you kept doing your jokes, I think people went with it. So I think it is time to do some Just Me or Everyone. Sweet. Sweet. Sometimes I ponder on. All right. Untidy Venus says, hate being in someone else's house without them there, especially if they have roommates, parentheses, hiding in the boyfriend's room currently. Um, I love that you tweeted this from your boyfriend's room. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I have had that feeling. Um, No, you know what? I don't think I hate being in someone else's place without them there if I can hang out in their room. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I equate that to like – remember when you were a kid if you're like – you're at a friend's house and I, especially at a young age and mm-hmm. then you got stuck with both the parents and the kid uh, like had to go out and like yes. take the – even just it's take so- the trash out like a minute at yeah. most. And you're like, oh god. Right. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and you feel angry at them. Like, don't ever leave me alone <laughs> right, like that again. Right. <laughs> Occasionally now, I, I'm trying to think if I still feel that way. Maybe not, but I feel like one of the things, one of the ways in which I am not fully an adult, even though I am an adult, is sometimes I still feel awkward around friends' parents. Yeah, I still yeah. put like plaster on a smile, like, oh, does it, like, do I call you? And I call you by your first name. That doesn't feel right. And also agreeing with on things where you don't, oh, you're yeah. like, I don't even agree with that. But you're like, oh, no, no, totally. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And just to avoid right. any conflict. The smallest and- of <laughs> small talk and just, ah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this is a new relationship because it seems like at a certain point you get to know the room. I wonder if right. she hates the roommates. Right. Like, hey, I don't like the roommates. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Let's, I, untidy Venus, what's the story? How long have you been with this this guy? Okay. SoCalMal88. When using a public or friend's bathroom and see one-ply toilet paper, I become slightly unhappy knowing I'm going to have to use more. <laughs> um, I become unhappy not because I have to use more, but just because I'm like, what is the point of one-ply toilet paper? This is like tissue paper. Yeah, not and even. And I don't even mean Kleenex. I mean like, yeah, it's like – Like paper is, mache. Yeah. This is a, <laughs> a hint of paper. If I yeah. want a handful of my own urine, I'll just piss into my hand. <laughs> that is – it is the cheapest toilet paper substitute ever. Oh, and even worse than that are – have you ever – have you ever been in a bathroom where they have one of those toilet paper dispensers and it's like they're just like single rectangles of one ply? No. I, I feel like I went to a summer camp that had those. Um, just it's, it, just it's to like, like keep you from dispenser. like yeah. going crazy? I think so. It's almost a napkin dispenser. It's like there's – yeah, it's like the speed bumps of toilet paper. You yeah. just can't – there's no way. Why do people not re- – like they're like, oh, it's cheaper. It's like but you're having to buy more because yeah. it has to get used faster. It's a violent act. Two-ply or bust? 
Yeah. I'll use Kleenex. If they have a Kleenex box, I'll be yeah. like, I'm not going to use this. I'm going to use Kleenex. I will, yeah. I'll show you. That's right. I'll show you what this world's about. That's right. Now, what will you do if there's no toilet paper at all? Because occasionally Man. I will use a toilet seat cover. Because one time I did that a long time ago, and I was like, this really works in a pinch. But every subsequent time I've thought, this is like wax paper, actually. There's nothing yeah. absorbent, and I think I'm scratching right. myself. Right. Um, so I wonder <laughs> if there was some kind of special absorbent toilet seat cover that one, that one magical time. Yeah, might have been. Have you ever been in that situation at like a friend's house where like there isn't like a toilet seat cover? Well, like, there's no there's toilet usually paper. Usually, never a toilet seat cover. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, like your rich friends who have seat covers, but they're also trashy rich. <laughs> I, I oh yeah, I don't. When I encounter the zero toilet paper in a friend's place, yeah. Um, that's like the one time that I think it's okay to be nosy and start looking in their cabinet. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think I suspect that I've been burned once. And by that, I mean sat down, went to the bathroom, and then realized there was no toilet paper. Yeah. And then thought, oh, now what do I do? So now I usually check before. You have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Pandy Flack Fackler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, that is a continued one. Oh, okay. Uh, also, I, uh, yes, this person sent in two, and here's the second, the second one. Also, I have a bad green thumb, so named a Hawaiian lei flower plant to help take care of it. She's out. Al- oh, yes, okay. I remember this person's first just me or everyone, actually, even though we don't have it on screen. It was that um, he or she names their car and something else that they name. Growing up. Okay. Growing up, my dad named our cars. Now I name mine. She's Eleanor. I think it makes me take better care of her. Yes. Mm. I name my inanimate objects as well. My Well, I haven't named my current car because I hate it, even though I've had it for um, since 1998. But my first car that I liked was named Bernice. Mm-hmm. And That's a good name. I had a guitar, have, named Gilbert. Uh, and I've had plants named Fred. So, yeah, I'm totally on board with the naming of things. What about you? I think that's – yeah, I totally agree. We gave our car a gender. Um, so whenever we come out of like a restaurant, if we like parked up the street or we're like, oh, there she is. And we always <laughs> imagine in our head that like a dog, the car's excited to see us. Like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, we're going to drive again. And it makes us be like – because we, we need to get another car. And yeah. so we're like, well, we can't get rid of her. She's a part of the family. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love the names. We haven't given it a name, though. I need to do that. Yeah, I think you should. Yeah. Um, yeah, how is that, having one car? It's awful. It's the worst. It used to be okay uh, when when because uh, obviously we didn't have a car in New York City. And then when we moved to Los Angeles, uh, my fiance's parents gave her back her, like, car that she had, like, in high school, I think, or maybe college. And uh, – it's been great, but now that she is working on the other side of town and my days are becoming a little bit busier with different things uh, to do, it's becoming sort of a pain in the yeah. ass. Like having to get a ride. I've had to rent a car a couple times just mm-hmm. for a few days if I had stuff coming up. So now yeah. we're in the process of having to like buy a car. I've ne- it's the most adult feeling I've ever had. Like yeah. I've never had to buy a car. I don't even know how to like do it. Right. So. That, see, that's – for a while now I've been like it's time for me to get a new car because it's the same thing. When I was in New York, I didn't have one. But yeah. I, I had one when I lived here before. Um, so this is you know my car from a million years ago and it's right. like ridiculous that I haven't gotten a new one because things are falling – you know, a wheel will fall off while I'm driving most likely. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but – it just – the process is daunting to me. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean we're looking on like CarMax and like just trying to figure out. But I, I'm one of those people that's like – I'm not like uh, – A car guy? I'm not. And I don't know if that's like a dude. I feel like that's a fading thing. Guys that just know a lot about cars. You know what I mean? I can't mm-hmm. look at a car. And, if the car makes a noise, I have to take it to someone because I'm like I don't know what that is. And they'll be like, oh, how how'd you not know that's the – just the transmission, blah, blah, blah. I'm like – because I don't know how yeah. this thing works. I just know how to drive it. I don't know what it is. So, yeah, knowing that, all I think about is, oh, well, wherever we better get a car, I bet we get ripped off by a thousand yeah. or more dollars. Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> it's, the, it's the sense – because I have that feeling too of like I don't there, – there's a deficit of information in my head which is going to turn into me not knowing – whether I can trust what they're telling me or not. Exactly, yeah. All right. Kit- and I think they can read that in us, yes, too. Yes, that's yeah. their whole job. Yeah. Kittens McTavish. Oh, another <laughs> bathroom one. When I go to the bathroom, unless I have to go number two, I usually just pull my underwear to the side when I pee. No, I've never done that. 
No. I don't have my aim is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to try that. Though. Here's the problem with that: unless you have gigantic vagina lips, I'm assuming you're female. Um, you, if I pull my underwear to the side, I would have to be holding it the whole time. You, can, I don't think I could just get it to perch there. And so then I'm going to pee like on my more hand. Work. Yeah. It doesn't seem like – I mean I'm, you're not speeding up the process. Right. I mean, how long does it take you to pull down your pants and pull them back up again? I mean yeah, how far in their, in your ass are they <laughs> yeah, that it's right. like a whole process? Yeah. I don't know. I mean I know guys like have like the like little hole cut mm-hmm. in their underwear. I've never in my whole life me. used that. It was news to me that guys don't use that. Oh, really? Yeah. I just assume that's what it's for. I, definitely some do. I, some have to. I don't think that many do though. Gary, you use it. There we go. I don't. I why? Don't. Why and why? I'm too afraid. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Peeing on your underwear? Honestly, I, I think it's... Are I honestly afraid, don't know why. Are you afraid of training your brain to, to go to the bathroom with your underwear on? No, but that is valid. <laughs> I think that's valid, <laughs> but no. Because <laughs> sometimes I think to myself, as like sitting here on this chair in the studio, if I wanted to just... If I wanted to pretend I was sitting on a toilet right now, could I make myself go? I, don't, I think I could. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dangerous game to play. <laughs> yeah, to find because finding out is obviously <laughs> right. the <Yeah>. worst. <laughs> but so, Gary, why do you? Convenience in certain, not every time, but you know, or like a public place where I don't want to like expose your yeah, buns. or like you know, possibly bump by my uh, belt or something into the dirty urinal yes. stall or whatever. Yeah. Huh. All right. Bryant Rich, in chase scenes, I worry more about the third worlders having to rebuild their ruined market stalls than I do the hero escaping. You're a better person than I. <laughs> I I agree 100%. With me or him? No, him. Oh, I you think, do? I think about it. I'm like, God, this is going to cost so much money <laughs> to redo this. I like that you guys are that invested in the story that you believe that it's real like that. Well, but when people destroy their guitars and things like that on stage – that bothers me, as opposed to thinking this is just. I made a lot of leaps in my head. No, no, um, I think it's. I, I, I get it. I feel like that's yeah. yeah, like so destructive. But really, it's just helping the economy of whoever or whatever. You know, I. Well, now I'm. Does he mean like in the? Oh, I. See, he means like in the reality of the movie. Yeah. Why do they have to be third worlders? Does that mean like third party participants in the story? Or is it like? Oh, I oh, uh, I, I, I just, read that differently. I just read it as a born movie where they're in Indonesia going through a chase scene. That's how I. Yeah. I mean, that's what I picture immediately. But I don't. Or he like doesn't mean like a third world. I think he means like a third party being privy to this chase scene. No, like, I think like any means, of us, right? I think that he means third worlders where they can't necessarily afford to rebuild shit like they could. Oh, that is yeah. totally what I, he or means. Or like Homeland or something. That's totally what he means. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's how I interpret it. So, yeah, I agree with him. I have had that thought. I mean, even not like in that set, any kind of destruction, like even in the Avengers, I was like, what is this going to cost to rebuild New York City? <laughs> <laughs> All right. RJRHQ, shoving the Q-tip so far in your ear, it makes you cough involuntarily. Um, yes, I've had that. Oh, really? I think so. I definitely have had a feeling of a Q-tip in my ear, like making me... I'm not sure it's a cough, though, but I felt it in a weird place. I've hurt myself, like, doing <laughs> just uncontrolled, yeah. like, for a minute straight. And, and you push some kind of lever. <laughs> a hidden ear level lever? Uh-huh. I've done it it's where like I've, your, like... It's like, the, it's like another G-spot. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like the one you don't want to find? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've done it where it's, like, hurt my eardrum, but never, mm-hmm. like... I never coughed, like, involuntarily. Well, I always heard that you're not even ever supposed to put q-tips in your ears yeah i mean but, apparently you're you're the wax is there to like prevent bacteria right. or stuff but it, it's just I mean, fun it's to. fun too it's also gross looking when you see someone who yeah. has not and you've seen it someone who hasn't used a q-tip mm-hmm. and you could probably be like i bet you haven't used a q-tip in a year yeah you want to be like can i q-tip your ear like <laughs> i'll do it yeah like you kind of want right. to do it and you want or you want to watch them do it to be like i know i just want to see the pleasure mm-hmm. that comes from just scrubbing right. that inside the yeah. i probably overuse q-tips but. do you ever do you do what i do which is you look at the q-tip after always yeah and then you're like 
I was not expecting that color or that shade. And then you expect, oh, the other one will probably be just as plentiful with whatever happened here, (laughs) but it's different. Or nothing. Yeah. I hate it when it's nothing. nothing. It's weird when it's – yeah, it's weird when it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun to go a week and not use a Q-tip. And then use a Q-tip. I mean, it's like that's all for me. That's almost orgasmic. It's like yeah. oh, like that. It's like someone giving you a massage. For me, like oh yeah, get that out of there. <laughs> I kind of want to do that now. Yeah, yeah, I I really never have any idea what I'm going to find. Yeah, when I think there's going to be a lot, there's very little. When I think there's going to be a little, I'm surprised by it. <laughs> Just what chunks. Was that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Nick S. When oh good, it's about food now. <laughs> when eating <laughs> snacks with various colors or flavors, I eat Skittles. I eat them in order, in an order that maintains equal amounts of each flavor. No, I don't do that. Although I could get behind doing something like that. I typically, well, I used to save the best for last when I was a kid. My, in whatever any my meal. favorite. Um, more specifically in like a if there was an array of flavors. Okay. Like like. Smarties or Skittles might say the best for last. But then at a certain point, I realized, but why take in all those grape-flavored calories since I don't like the grape ones or whatever? Anyways, if you don't even like yeah, them. Yeah, right, so yeah. now I just you know get rid of the – Just to I maintain just, peace. I initially, with anything that involves grape, I give away the grape flavor. Yeah. I mean I like grapes. But I don't like fake grape flavor. I – like with a meal, I'll eat the thing I'm least interested in first. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered if that's like weird. Like, like if if you had a turkey dinner, you got turkey with some gravy on it, mashed potatoes with gravy on it, green beans, and a roll. What are you going to eat first? The roll. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I would go with the green beans. I'm like, really? I bet I like this the least. So I'll start with the thing at my most hungriest. I eat the thing I'm least excited about. Yeah. What and is I think that? That's weird. Where does that come from? I don't know. I feel like a, I, I think there's a, a lot of people that do that. do that, though, yeah. And I don't know why. I, I don't know why it's our thought from... process of giving pleasure at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. But what about the idea that, especially in that specific scenario where it's two hot things, you're diminishing the quality of the thing you like more by waiting? No, that's what I agree with. That's right. why I think it's weird because it's like, God, the thing I, pro- I want the most is like probably the turkey and the mashed potatoes, like even like together. And yet I'm like, well, I'll do I'll eat those at the end. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know why at my hungriest, huh. I eat the thing I'm least excited about. Like, it should be the turkey or the but mashed I think, potatoes. Yeah, I think that – but that's like – I think that people do that though. I think it comes from this idea of you have to get the nutritious stuff you don't want out of the way maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Okay, so what would you go for next? I'd probably do mashed potatoes and then I'd probably make a little turkey – roll sandwich i think those are adorable (laughs) and then finish off with just the turkey yeah i was actually something (laughs) something maybe looking at dinner rolls on thanksgiving made it pop into my head that there was this girl that i went to school with who always had her sandwiches on dinner rolls and they were these cute little sandwiches yeah yeah i like that spirit car uh ever get in your car and have the flashing thought that someone is hiding in the back seat ready to slit your throat um, I haven't decided in what way they're going to harm me, but yes, I've I've had the fear that what if someone could be in here? Yeah, I think so. I I not so much anymore, but I do have a fear of people being behind me. Mm-hmm. And I always think like in a movie theater, someone's just going to slit my throat. Oh, always. I haven't had that one yet. Always. <laughs> so, do you like to have your back to the wall or sit in the back? Do you sit in the back? I will row? always choose like sort of. I won't. No, I try. I do try to sit like in the middle or like what I would consider like a good seat. But right. it, I know I'm like this isn't going to happen. But this is a legitimate fear. Um, do you and your fiance like? Do you guys call each other fiance? Is that um, how you refer to each other, or do you say your girlfriend, or do you just say Jordan? I just say Jordan. Okay. But if someone, I, I've started to say fiance if I'm like talking about her. Yeah. Right. Um, do you guys like to sit in roughly the same place in the theater? I think so. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, I tend to I tend to like a little further back. Yeah, but uh, Daniel likes a little further up, so we sit back. <laughs> I'm so like IMAX movies. Did you ever go to the IMAX in New York City? Like the legit no, one in Lincoln Center? No, I never Center? did. Mm-mm. It's the only like real one that's like 80 feet. Like it's the only one they have. All the ones are like McMansion IMAXs. I did not know that. So for the Dark Knight, uh, I went and got in line three hours before because. In an IMAX theater, if you're not sitting in the right spot, it's like, why did you even pay this money? Because you cannot see anything. Mm-hmm. 
some a friend of mine got his tickets to go see Transformers. Said he was posting up. He's like, I got great seats. We were off to the side and a little too close. And I was like, this is the worst seating ever. Yeah. Middle, mid to back. Middle, mid to back at IMAX always. Noted. I want people to put that in your back pocket. Never forget that. Mark Temps 59. Oh, this is perfect. I always hug with my eyes closed. Man, woman, relative, friend, lover, doesn't matter. Um, I No, I don't think I close my eyes when I hug. Uh, maybe I do if it's a goodbye to my fiance. Yeah. If I'm like, oh, I'm going to be gone for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah, here. If, yeah. If it's a like, <laughs> I'm going to nestle into this hug and sit here for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I will. But if it's if it's just a, a just another hug, I don't think I do. Yeah. I think about that from now on. My friend Mandy Johnson, do you know her? No, but that sounds familiar. She get, her and uh, Joel run like super serious mm-hmm. uh, shows. She gives the best hugs because she holds you. For like 15 seconds and no. doesn't let go. And when you let go, you're like, that's – we talked about it on the Pete's podcast too. But it's like that's how long you should hug. You should it's, hug someone yeah. and be like, look, this is a hug. Like not a stranger. Right. But the more that you know someone's like, hug them. Really hug them for like 10 seconds and be like, there you go. That's my hello. Now, how much of what you and I talked about was already covered on Pete's podcast? None of it. Well – not that and we did talk about my mom, but I feel mm-hmm. like we talked about it. So your questions were way different, way better. Don't tell uh, Pete that. Thank you. It's gonna uh, and then you know, the hugging thing, just because of that question. But yeah, the hugging thing made me think of it uh, because she seriously hugs. It's like the first time I hugged her, I like I like you let go, and I was like, oh, she's still hugging. I should keep <laughs> hugging. And then after she was done hugging, my first thought wasn't, oh, God, why, why were we hugging so long? Right. I was like. God, what a great hug. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing is that people want – usually want more physical affection than they get from people they don't know that well. I Interesting. guess. I think. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's gosh. Weird. It's different. This – was that one of your characters? This is one of my guys. This is one of my guys. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. We didn't do Hey, Go Fuck Yourself, although I think I did tell a lot of people to – to fuck themselves earlier, and I can't remember why, but um, they t- you said you're talking about New York too much. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's just give them just a little one hey, of these. Hey, hey, go fuck yourself. Thank you. Is there anyone you need to tell <laughs> to fuck themselves? Um, I mean, anyone in general who just leaves negative comments. That's for, who we usually on anything. Yeah, on anything for all things. How, what is your life like? Well, how is it on Twitter for you? Ugh, Twitter's all right. I don't really tweet a lot. I've tried to, but no one really ever, like, I never say anything I think that's, like, maybe controversial where someone would say something mean. Mm-hmm. I mean someone will make, like, a smart-ass comment if, like, a joke isn't funny, but sometimes I agree with them. So I'm like, all right, you're kind of a dick for pointing it out, but you're right. <laughs> so, yeah. All yeah. right. But in general, negative comment people, we, we say to them, Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, so where where can people find you? RoyScoville.com? RoyScoville.com uh, on Twitter, at RoyScoville. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right. And you can tweet me, at Allison Rosen. You can tweet uh, – or you can follow the show's Twitter feed, at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. You can tweet Gary, at G. Patrick Smith. You can email the show, A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, at AdamCarolla.com. And there's a special bonus episode, which is available in the comedy album section of the iTunes store for $1.99. And that is the show that I did at the um, L.A. Podcast Festival. And the guests are Doug Benson and Greg Proops. And I'm realizing that we forgot to play the closing Just Me or Everyone song. So next week we will definitely do that. Um, it's Greg Proop sang it and it's funny. And um, I love you guys and I will talk to you later. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show?